This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. In a moment, we'll be checking with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. We'll also talk to Deborah, one of his very satisfied customers. Just sold a home in Maple Ridge. Sold it in five days. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. And I think you might get a few arguments with this one, but according to a new study, Vancouver has been rated one of the best cities in the world when it comes to work-life balance. The technology company Kesey is releasing its annual study of which cities around the world promote the most holistic work-life balance. For example, how many jobs can be done remotely? How much holiday time do you get? Parental leave? How safe is it? Gender and racial equality? And just overall happiness in your job. They also factored in COVID-19 for the survey and looked at what kind of support workers had for that. Vancouver came in in eighth out of 50 international cities that they looked at. Uh, That's two spots higher than the year before. The only Canadian city to rank higher was Ottawa at sixth place. Vancouver did beat out Calgary and Toronto, which ranked 13th and 14th, respectively. And you know what the number one city in the world for healthy work-life balance is? You probably guessed already. It's in Finland. Helsinki. And the folks who run the PE are cautiously optimistic about this year's fair. It will be the 111th year of the Pacific National Exhibition after yesterday's announcement, or, or Tuesday's announcement, rather, of a four-phase plan to reduce BC's COVID restrictions. They're hoping to be up and running this summer with what they admit will be a scaled-down version of the fair. PE spokesperson Laura Balance says they've now restarted planning, and she admits it'll look a little different and daily capacity. Capacities will be much smaller, uh, but it will still be the PNE. That's great news for the fair. After just last month, the PNE CEO said the entire future of the fair was at stake because of all the financial losses they've suffered through uh, because of the pandemic. And you're probably hearing a lot more cracks of the bat at local parks this weekend. With COVID-19 restrictions eased to allow for outdoor games, Little League organizations are excited to get back on the field in BC, but there's still some work to do before games can get back up and running as usual. Outdoor local teams and practices can now go ahead, though no spectators are allowed yet, and there are still limits to the number of people allowed in one area. So the organization, the organizers are trying to figure out all these rules. Sandin Fraser, president of Coquitlam Little League, figures the nearly 700 kids aged 4 to 17 with his organization will be back on the field this next week. He says the kids are thrilled to play a real game instead of just a practice. And if all goes to plan, a maximum of 50 spectators, probably lots of moms and dads, will be allowed to watch those games by mid-June. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate, guiding us through the opportunities out there And what's going on is John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW.
It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk real estate with our friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. That's where he lives on the internet, johnnysmartpoint.com. And he's with us now to talk about this market. Hiya, John. Hey, Martin, how's things going for you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Sort of uh, uh, kind of uh, happy about the announcement earlier in the week about the COVID regulations slowly easing. It sort of seems like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So, I mean, maybe we can talk a little bit about that coming up. Uh, we also have something very special. Uh, somebody you sold a house for. Her name is Deborah, and we're going to talk to her about her experience working with you. So that's kind of kind of uh, exciting. That'll be good. Yeah, uh, that sounds awesome. I, uh, I guess Deborah called in and uh, working with her and her husband Robin recently was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to hearing what she might have to say. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the market as well because uh, last week the big story was uh, that the inventory problem was easing. Basically, there wasn't enough stuff for sale. The stuff that was for sale was selling like crazy, but the inventory was easing. So are you seeing uh, kind of a continuation of that in the market? Are we seeing more things up for sale? Yeah, a little bit more of a balanced market than, you know, in times past that we've discussed. Uh, You know, really to understand things, you always have to know your history a bit. So just to back up a little bit prior to COVID, everybody remember that? Different (laughs) different feel, different time. Uh, The market was primed to really take off. We'd had a little bit of a lull in a market that's usually pretty hot. And uh, the pent-up demand was kind of building. So running into 2020, I know that I was thinking, you know, I'm going to have the the biggest start to the year I've ever had because I had all kinds of people talking that, you know, in the spring of 2020 would be the time that they'd be ready. Uh, But then, of course, COVID happened and the market kind of died for a while, then bounced back. But the point is this, it was already primed to be a market that was moving in the direction of, uh, you know, more activity. And what we found when COVID started to, you know, get a little less scary and people's lives started to get back to normal to a degree was low interest rates, pent up demand, limited supply, we started seeing buyers snap up the good properties that were out there. And then, of course, that becomes a bit of a trend and the, you know, the the press catches on and people start saying, hey, you know, this is a hot market. And with COVID, you know, a lot of people understandably did not think it was the right time for them to sell. They didn't want strangers in their house and they didn't know where they were going to go. And so a lot of the, you know, the, the listings that may have hit the market didn't hit the market. It was a delayed reaction. So to get to the answer of your question, now that we're into May and 2021 is really starting to take off, boy, the listings have hit. And and everybody remembers in the newspaper and the news, we hear that there were record sales in March and April, which is true, but there were also record numbers of new listings. And so again, I've said it a thousand times, it's a supply and demand business and the supply side is starting to catch up a little bit to the demand. Uh, Having said that, still very much a seller's market and multiple offers are something that we're seeing on good properties still. We're talking to John Carlson from uh, 2% Realty. johnnysmartpoint.com is the website and uh, we're talking about this market and why not, why not have a, a definite example of what it's like to sell a home uh, with John Carlson because on the line we have Deborah who uh, who is here and uh, she had a very good experience. So Deborah, hello, you just sold your home in Maple Ridge. Uh, how was it uh, jumping into this market? Well, we, we were a little anxious about selling our home in this market, actually. I think a lot of people would think differently. But 
um, you know, we are, we've made a decision to retire and to move out of the lower mainland. And so we really have to sell our home. And um, we have a property in, in the south interior and that's under renovation. So we have a deadline. So we, um, we had to get, get it going. And um, it was a little stressful thinking about these market conditions and uh, what that was going to mean in terms of, you know, having multiple bidders on our doorstep and that sort of thing when we just sincerely wanted to sell our home and we think we have a very nice property to sell. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we talk to John a lot here on Vancouver Consumer, and we talk a lot about this market. And like you say, uh, it's kind of a, a hot market. It's a seller's market. But at the same time, there's some pitfalls with that. How was working with John? Working with John was uh, was very, very uh, positive for us. And um, he he was recommended to us by our neighbor who sold their property in the fall. And uh, I, up until then, I hadn't really considered, or we hadn't considered, two percent, a two percent realty uh, structure, and we didn't know very much about that. And then I heard John on the Consumer Show, uh, probably uh, you know a month or two ago, and he explained it very well. And uh, so I took that information back home and said, you know, we really should reach out and, and ask him to meet with us. And so then we had a meeting with him. We had several meetings with him. And, you know, he, he just presents as a very knowledgeable gentleman, very genuine um, and very professional. And, you know, he gave us lots of time to make our decision to list with him. There was no pressure. Uh, we had several meetings, as I mentioned. And in those meetings, he really... Uh, to us seemed that he had a really good sense of this rather volatile market and how to approach it um, that would meet our needs and, and get our property sold. Um, and and so, you know, we, after several meetings, we, we signed up with John. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the, the, the market was still very active. It was slowing down a little bit, but uh, we sold our house in, in about five days. And, um, you know, throughout the process, uh, from the first week that we met him, you know, the communication was very good. He kept us in the loop. We had frequent email conversations, phone conversations. Uh, You know, he described the process with all of the paperwork very clearly, took us walk through that, you know, step by step. And and so we were very, very uh, impressed with John from beginning to end. Yeah, we we hear that a lot, and it sounds like you did a lot of homework, and uh, you feel you you saved some money on commission, didn't you? We certainly did, and you know we did do the number crunching, and we thought, wow, you know this is significant, and we're um, retirees now, and you know this is a point in our life where you know these kinds of savings really make sense, and it's it's hard to say, oh well. We just won't go for that. We'll go for the, you know, the traditional real estate model. Um, it saved us probably uh, $12,000, and that's a big chunk of money for us to use in our transition to our next home. Yeah. So uh, that was a no-brainer for yeah. us. That'll buy some new floors or something for the new home. Absolutely. 
Yeah, well, congratulations, uh, Deborah. You and Robin, you're you're on to uh, a new chapter in your life, and uh, it sounds like you would recommend John Carlson, JohnnySmartPoint.com to to anybody. Hey, I I will be recommending John for for sure. Yeah. Well, congratulations again, and uh, my best to Robin, and uh, all the best in in the new in your in your new chapter. It sounds great. So thanks for talking to us. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Martin. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we're with John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com. You know him as Johnny SmartPoint. That must make you feel good. Hey, John. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Deborah. And working with uh, Robin and Deborah was, was just really a thrill. Uh, that's one of the great things about my business. I meet a lot of great people, and uh, they ask me sometimes to be a part of the process of selling their home or buying a new one or both. And, you know, it's an honor. So, I love hearing these testimonials, quite frankly. Again, hearing it for the first time. Thank you, Deborah. Um, I was lucky to be involved, you know, quite frankly. I can tell you one thing about Robin and Deborah. Their home was a 10 out of 10. I'm talking about style and cleanliness and design. And it was just what they call one of those cream puffs. And it, it made it pretty easy. And I think, Deborah, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you sold in five days. And that was, you know, that was part of our strategy in this hot market. We wanted to list attractively. And that's something we might want to talk about a little bit later in the program. How do you, how do you generate these situations where you're getting multiple offers and overlist price offers and that sort of thing? Uh, but we had really great. You know, I think we listed it on a on a Tuesday or Wednesday and had showing start the Thursday, uh, all weekend, and then we set offers. I think it was Monday or Tuesday night, and you know we got multiple offers. So nothing really uh, special, of course, that I did. The market is the market. Um, I helped them position for success, and I think that we really did a good job of that. And, um, you know, if you are attractive in terms of appearance and what you offer on the market, and you're also attractive in price, the market is there for you. It's just that simple. There are buyers looking for properties, uh, the best properties in any price range. So uh, just to hear her say that sort of thing was was fantastic. And, and then I guess, you know, uh, if I could just respond to another one of her comments, she saved some money compared to what she calls the trad- traditional business model in real estate. So, uh, you know, I think she talked to some other agents who are quoting her seven and two and a half and that sort of thing. Um, and compared to that, yeah, $12,000 savings is is real money. So, you know, and my theory is if I'm hiring a professional uh, of any kind, uh, you know, price is important, but um, I wouldn't pay less for a lesser agent or a lesser professional, if, if you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. um, that's the whole idea of the smart point. If you can have an agent that does a good job and maybe saves you some money compared to the mo- most of the competition out there, uh, I'm really happy to fulfill that role. And uh, hopefully maybe other listeners will call and I can do the same thing for them. And then go to johnnysmartpoint.com because that's why it's called the smart point because you can't argue with $12,000. Because the great thing about hearing from people like Deborah and Robin is that these are real people. They're not just numbers and houses and, you know, they're not facts and figures. They're actual people. And sometimes you, you, you think $12,000, well, you're selling a home and the home is worth a million plus, something like that. But $12,000 is, is a cold, hard cash in your pocket. That's a lot of money. Well, it is. And for your typical homeowner who's selling a principal residence, that's uh, that's money you've already paid for, you know, that you've already put through your mortgage and it's tax-free money in your pocket. So as always, you want to maximize the sale of your home price-wise when, when you sell um, and commission is part of that equation. So again, uh, you know, thank you, Deborah and Robin. 
uh, for letting me be a part of the process. And I'm, I'm thrilled to know that you're so happy about it. Yeah. John Carlson from uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, the website. If you go to the website and uh, if you have an idea of what your home is worth, there's an actual uh, table there. You can put in the price of your home and you can see what a 2% realtor will save you. Uh, in commission. And as we just heard from Deborah, it is actual money, tax-free, you know, tax-free money that you can save by going with somebody like John Carlson. And if you go to the website, you can also see uh, the listings that he has. And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to look at some of the listings that you've had. You've had a a pretty active week and uh, we'll see what's out there in uh, the Lower Mainland when it comes to real estate. It's always interesting. This is Vancouver Consumer, and we'll be back with John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com, right after this. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, along with John Carlson from uh, 2% Realty. You can find him at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's his website. Uh, The phone number is 604-612-0080. And we just heard from Deborah, a very satisfied customer, sold her home in Maple Ridge. What a classic story, hey? The person who's probably lived in that home a long time, they cared for it. It was a, you called it a cream puff of a house. And they've decided to uh, to move away from the Lower Mainland. They're retirees, and uh, they took the plunge, and they're very happy that they did. I guess. Yes, and it's you know again great to be part of the process. And I think what you just touched on is that there's a big trend: uh, people living in Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley, Lower Mainland in general, who are thinking, "Gee, you know, these are record prices." Um, my work situation may have changed because of COVID. I may be thinking of an early retirement. Uh, there's all kinds of things you know, going on that lead people to think, hey, maybe I don't need to be too close to the city anymore. So there's, there's a lot of trends, uh, a big trend out there right now for people who are maybe going to Vancouver Island uh, to retire or semi-retirement and the interior and all that sort of thing. So again, we've talked about this before. That's, that's one of the big things driving the market is people deciding, hey, this is the time. So again, if there's listeners out there who do think it's the time, feel free to give me a call or get in touch. Mm-hmm. And Deborah and Robin sold their house in five days. So uh, the market is still really, really hot. And uh, you've had a, you had a busy week. I'm, I'm looking at your website, seeing all the properties. Uh, you, you, uh, yeah, you were busy last week, weren't you? Well, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that they sold their house in five days. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes I think there's a, and it depends on the market conditions, of course. Sometimes people might say, oh, gee, you sold in five days. Maybe you didn't sell high enough. Boy, a quick sale sometimes means a low sale. Uh, and that can be true. But right now in the market, I think if you're doing it right, you're probably getting a, a relatively quick sale. Because what that means is, uh, think about this, there's a, there's a big uh, balloon, if you will, of, of demand in the market. That, that balloon has shrunk a little bit from the all-time high, high highs, but it's still very much there depending on your price range. So in this particular price range, it was very much meat of the market. We're looking in the a million one, million two range in Maple Ridge uh, for a nice newer house. And, you know, the five-day sale really is the way to go uh, in that particular case because you want to tap into that market of people who have been looking for a property in the price range that meets their criteria. And those guys are ready to go like right now. You don't want to make them wait two or three weeks. And what, in fact, what you really want to do is knowing and understanding that there's probably more than one buyer in that position who would very much like to consider your home to purchase 
you want to make sure they all get a chance to become aware of it, but then they show up at the same time to write offers. And that's one of the ways that you uh, manage a, a, an over list price offer. So selling in five days in a slow market could be a good thing, maybe not. In this market, chances are you're doing things just right if, if that's how you do it. So I thought I'd just uh, maybe address the time frame. Not all houses sell that quickly, but it's certainly not uncommon. Mm-hmm. So there are, there, we're still in a time of multiple offers and uh, people offering more than the asking price. It's still that kind of market, right? It still is for a lot of properties. And uh, in fact, you were just mentioning my website. Uh, I was on the program last week with you and we talked about the new listings that I had. Uh, all of them, well, with the exception of one that's tenanted and has been hard to show, all of them have uh, received multiple offers and are now either sold, firm, or pending subject removal. So, um, you know, that's that's great news. In fact, I think we're going to we're gonna talk next time I'm on the program in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about, um, I'm sorry, we're going to have a visitor, uh, Lindsay, who is, uh, her and Derek sold her house with me also in Maple Ridge, and it was a multiple offer situation. And the interesting thing about that one is, we ended up getting a bully offer, uh-huh. and I don't know if listeners know what a bully offer is, but maybe I, we should talk about that. I don't know what a bully offer is. Explain what a bully offer is. Uh, thank you. In, in this market, it is not unusual for a seller to put a house on the market and indicate in writing that offers will be looked at at a certain time. You know, you set the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night kind of scenario, again, with the intent of generating a multiple offer situation. So in that, in, in the case where a seller has indicated that they will look at offers on, say, in this case, I think it was Tuesday night, what happens when somebody comes on Saturday, shows your home, you get a call or I get a call from that buyer's agent saying, hey, John, we understand that you have indicated you're going to look at offers on Tuesday, but we're going to write an offer right now and we're going to send it over to you and it's going to have no conditions on it. There's a big fat deposit check attached to it to show you that we're serious and it's over list price. So what do you do when that happens? That's commonly referred to as a bully offer Mm -hmm. in uh, the real estate industry. Sellers have indicated they're going to wait, but somebody says, hey, you know, that's fine for you, but I want to get this property. And there's nothing wrong with a bully offer. There's nothing unethical about it. Uh, in, In fact, sellers have a right to entertain offers as they see fit. But if you've indicated that you're going to wait for a period of time for an offer, um, particularly myself as the agent for the seller, I have to be very careful to make sure we don't, um, uh, you know, uh, upset anyone else or cut anyone else or seem to be discriminating against the other buyers that we've told, hey, we're going to wait. So when a bully offer comes in, if a seller has time to deal with it, and that means contacting everyone who has called you about the property, uh, changing your written instructions and posting them on MLS, giving a notice to all the agents who've shown that say, hey, we were going to wait till Tuesday, but now we're going to look at offers today or tomorrow. As long as it's done properly and everyone gets a fair opportunity at the property, then you as a seller can change your mind and look at an offer as it comes in. So in the particular case we're going to hear about in a couple of weeks uh, with Lindsay, we did get a bully offer and it was quite tempting. Uh, in the end, they decided to say, well, no, we're not going to entertain this tonight, but we're going to move up our offer presentation time from Tuesday to Friday, which is was the very next day. And I'm happy to say that we did get five offers uh, and we managed to do better than the bully offer. So sometimes, you know, and I joke with my clients, it's a bit like that old uh, Monty Hall game show where you can either take what's in front of you or you can ask what's behind curtain number two. There's no guarantees, but Uh, You know, it is a good situation when you have people throwing unconditional offers at your property. Um, 
that's a very good position to be in. But again, you want to make sure you handle it properly. You want to make sure you maximize the scenario because there could be other people who are equally, if not more, motivated to buy the house. So, uh, you know, that's something I can talk to uh, about people who are thinking of selling, who are considering the attractive list price multiple offer scenario. We can we can talk about the bully offer, but um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pressure cooker out there for buyers sometimes. And you may get your best offer on a bully offer when someone throws everything they have at a house to try to prevent having to compete. So again, do you like what's in front of you or do you like what's behind curtain number two? It's good to have options. And that is proof right there why you need a veteran real estate professional on your side. Uh, somebody like John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. You can give him a call at 604 612 and uh, now we know what a bully offer is, which is really good. Yeah. Everybody uh, go out and write one. Present yeah, it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I guess it. On one hand, it's it's over asking, but if you're too, if you jump too quick, you you might there might be stuff you left on the table. You might get less than what you actually uh, could get for the house. And that's why you need a a, a good realtor. Uh, we'll talk to Lindsay and Derek next week. Uh, yeah, that, I think I'm on in a couple of weeks. Or actually. a couple, and, couple of weeks. I'm yeah. Sorry. And, you know, and this ties in really well with that whole philosophy of mine that, hey, an attractive commission structure is great if you get a good agent. Um, because let's say the $12,000 difference that, 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 you know, that previous clients had mentioned they saved over the traditional business model. That's a good chunk of money. But a good agent who knows how to work with a multiple offer situation we could be talking about fifty or hundred thousand dollars in sale price differences just in terms of how you handle your listing and how you look at offers and you know and how you go about it. So, again, uh, the smart point I'll push I'll plug that again is uh, having an agent who, of course, uh, charges reasonable fees, but also has the experience and know how to um, move these situations as best as possible and move these negotiations to a place that makes sellers really happy. Yeah, and that's why uh, you're you're called Johnny Smartpoint, and that's why you live online at johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, John Carlson is, is our guest on Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And uh, earlier we talked to Deborah, and she uh, mentioned that she saved $12,000. And and that it, I think you mentioned something earlier that we should reiterate. This is, uh, this is money you've already earned. So this is tax-free money. So if you get $50,000 more for your property, that's tax-free money for the most part. Yes, if it's a principal residence, and I will always point out that commissions are not set. When I say it, when, when my client said, uh, when Deborah said a $12,000 savings, she's comparing it to what other agents had quoted her for to do the same job. Right. And that typically is 7% of the first hundred and two and a half of the balance. But commission structures may vary. Uh, so, you know, I, I want to make sure to, to put that out there. But absolutely. I mean, selling a property, I had one recently, and I won't go to too many details, where a seller was not really as keen about getting the top price as they were about getting the right family in their home. And, uh, you know, as long as the numbers are relatively close, sometimes a seller will go for a lower offer and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, most people, especially if you're buying again, you're going to need that money to purchase and transfer tax and lawyer fees and all that stuff. It really makes sense to try to maximize that sale. And maybe it's your retirement income, or your, your retirement nest egg that, that you're protecting to move up to the interior. Or maybe it's just funds for you know your next property because you're upsizing. Whatever it is, 
you want good representation and you don't want to pay more than you have to. Mm-hmm. And Deborah, in this case, her and Robin were, were downsizing. They were retiring. They were moving out of the lower mainland. And she mentioned she was a little bit uh, nervous about the market. And uh, she felt that uh, the reason why she liked working with you, John, is because of the communication. One of the things uh, was because of the communication, a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, and you, you talked uh, her through this whole thing. So what do you say to people who maybe are thinking of retiring or maybe they have a smaller home and they're thinking of upsizing? Uh, what's the first step that they should take uh, besides uh, going to johnnysmartpoint.com? Well, if they call me, I think my first uh, step and job is to listen. And one other thing that Deborah mentioned was that there was no pressure. And that's one thing that I've always prided myself on. Uh, you know, I when I go into somebody's home, I recognize I'm in their home and they are at their own choosing talking to me about their life plans, you know, the things they've done to their home, their financial situation sometimes, opening up about what their wants and needs are regarding that sale. And my job is to be, is to listen and understand and then give them the best information I can. And I, I tell people when I meet them all the time, I say, hey, I'm not the market. I don't decide what your house is going to sell for. Um, but when it comes to an evaluation, a good agent should know what's going on in the market well enough to help you, to, to give you some good advice. And it's never my, you know, my intent to try to create a sale by pressuring someone to sign some documents or to hurry up and get a listing on the market. And and I guess in a way I'm very fortunate because I've, I've you know, been a very busy top selling agent for a long time. And, you know, I, I don't have to um, be kind of wondering where my next deal is coming from. So I do have that luxury. But I know this for sure, that people do not want to be pressured by a salesperson. Uh, Deborah, I think you also used the word genuine, which I thought was fantastic. They want to talk to somebody, a real person. They don't want to talk to a salesman. They don't want to talk to somebody who's just, the only intention they have is just to throw a sign on that yard and get things done as quick as possible. They want a partner in the business. They want somebody who can help them navigate. They, chances are they already know 70%, 75% of what they need to know. But it's that final little bit that, that homeowners who don't do this for a living just may not you know, really understand or have a, a grasp on how to, how to use property, the tools that are in front of them. So that's where a good agent comes in helping to you know, design a road plan and, 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 and listen to these people and achieve their goals. And sometimes, you know, in a hot market like this, you could even exceed their expectations, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the agent was fantastic. It means that you did things right and the market took care of the rest. So agents, uh, we always have to be careful not to, not to try to present ourselves as the all-knowing, uh, you know, entities who are masters of the market. We are, um, you know, I see myself as a messenger. I report back to my my bosses, uh, you know, that's the way agency works. If I work for someone, they're my king or queen, and I simply report to them. And if they say, hey, draw up the drawbridge and and go into defensive mode, that's what we do. If they say attack, then I go on into more of an aggressive negotiating strategy. But my job is to give them all the information that I can so that they can make wise decisions. And that generally plays out pretty well. And that's what you get with John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, John, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Uh, We'll see how these uh, COVID easing restrictions are playing out in the market. We'll also talk to another satisfied customer. Uh, Have a great rest of the weekend, John, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Yes, and all the best to the listeners out there. Talk to you again. Right on. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Time now to ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira is our 
executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And uh, Andrew, uh, at the top of the hour, I had some news about Vancouver being voted very highly in a survey of uh, work-life balance as cities go. Vancouver had a very high level of work-life balance. And whenever I read these studies, I always think, well, what about young people? Uh, It just seems like such a tough place for young people. It's so expensive to live. Uh, But you have a study about Vancouver and millennials and quality of life for millennials. Yeah, so Point to Point Homes um, is an online real estate marketing firm, and I'm I'm grabbing this out of the business in Vancouver here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But earlier this week, um, they surveyed 85 Canadian cities uh, for the best, uh, you know, the best city for millennials uh, to buy a home, raise a family, work, all that good stuff. Uh Uh-oh. Um, uh, I know when you say buy a home, that makes you sweat a little bit from the lower mainland here. Um, the top city in the country is not in British Columbia. Uh, the top city in the country is Quebec City. It is the right combination of cheap, eclectic and fun. Right. Uh, right. Th- that makes sense because uh, I know the entire s- uh, province of Quebec, uh, my kids live in Montreal and uh, it, it's a good place to live in terms of rent. And there's a lot of culture there. Exactly. Uh, number two on that list, uh, not quite Ottawa, uh, not quite uh, Quebec, but it is Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa comes in at number two, right across the the river from Hull. Uh, and number three on the list is Kingston, Ontario. So that rounds out your top three cities in the country uh, to live in, to buy a home, to raise a family, and as a millennial. Uh, in terms of British Columbia, the top-rated BC city um, is New Westminster. Really? Uh, New West comes in at number six overall in Canada. Um, and I'm willing to guess that that's mostly because of the fact that it's, in, it's very dense. There's lots of good local business. Uh, because a lot of it is kind of apartments and high-rises, rent is a little bit cheaper. Uh, and there's a whole lot of green space around you. Um, not to mention the great transit. Uh, Vancouver tumbles all the way down to number 13. Uh, Toronto comes in at 12. Uh, and Victoria, the only other city in BC to crack the top 10, they came in at number 8. Burnaby, just outside at number 11. So it kind of gives you an idea. Um, for New Westminster, and this is an interesting one, uh, they had the highest healthcare index among all 10 top cities. Um, 88.3%, and they don't necessarily go into what causes that. But my guess is that it's relatively close to, you know, New, uh, New West is a relatively dense uh, part of the lower mainland. So you're never too far from Royal Columbian. Um, and if you need to, you know, go to Burnaby General or somewhere else, uh, New West is in a good spot in terms of both road network and transportation to get you to, you know, anywhere you need to go, really. Um and this is some other fun facts that came out of this. Uh, in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver has the third highest percentage of millennials in the country. Really? Well, I'm not surprised. And y'all are choosing number number 13 in the country? Come on, guys. <laughs> um, come on, guys. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me given, you know, you look outside. If you live in Vancouver, you look outside. Generally, it's a gorgeous view and there's tons to do. Uh, but if you really want to go to where it's at in BC, New West is where to go really really want to go to where it's at try uh try kingston ottawa or quebec city yeah 
always wanted to. I've never been to Quebec City. I've always wanted to go. Oh, it's it's uh, it's lots of culture. I'm a I'm a sucker for history. So. Yeah, it's some beautiful history, lots of culture. Well, thank you, Andrew. That's Andrew Ferrer, the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back after the news, uh, some news about uh, the PNE and what their plans are this summer, and also what you should not say to a cop when they pull you over for speeding. That's coming up when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.